This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Mark. So, Mark, tell us, how many downloads so far do we have? All right, guys. So, we have, I think, approximately, what, how many episodes? Somewhere in the 30s of episodes. Yeah, like 35 or so. 35, 36 episodes. And we have approximately 10,000 downloads. How many, how many reviews? I think we have like what forty some reviews. So if you do the math, unless some, unless some people are listening to the, the, each episode like hundreds of times, then we got a problem. So guys, if you listen to it and you like it, please rate and review it. Uh, uh, not iTunes. only not only does that help us out, but it helps you out because you have the chance of winning a sweet mug. And it's a sweet stack of books. Yeah, so, we're trying to reward you. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not even just asking you to do something for us, but we're doing something for you too. So please rate and review. And at the same time, go on the Facebook and we're going to share this this uh, episode link. Uh, you just go ahead, share it. That counts as an entry in and take a friend. Take your whole, take your whole family. Take every friend of yours on Facebook okay. in a comment. And if you do that, if someone t- has a comment I'm and it takes every single these. one of their friends, I'm sorry, we're s- we'll send you out a mug just because of that. That's cool. That's right. But you're you're bypassing the, the, the raffle. I will say, though, people have given us really nice reviews. Yeah, they we have. found out yeah. about so many people that are avidly listening, and we appreciate you. We affirm you. Well, and actually, <laughs> yes. some of them have then sent us private messages, yeah. uh, some with questions that w- we really like that because it gives us a chance to hear what they're what they're actually taking in and clarify because yep. we know we're not perfect. Um, and so we can clarify something. Uh, in fact, we got a podcast coming up mm-hmm. because a guy wanted to know about us and mm-hmm. our position on how, what what do we mean when we say we're reformed. And so mm-hmm. his question was such a good one. We actually yeah. have developed up and we're going to be doing that uh, in like a couple weeks from this one. Yeah. So it, we, we want to hear from you. And we and if you find this helpful, then review us. I, I find it very awkward to be asking that, but at the same time, it's the reality of what it is. If if you think this is a decent podcast, then it and it, you think it's worth other people listening to, then give us a review because it. I didn't know that. You guys are the one that taught me yeah. that, that pushes us up and yeah. makes us more no. visible, if that's yeah. the right word. Totally. Yeah. And if you want to hear us talk about something too, we love getting those messages, so... Send them. Doesn't mean we will do it, but we will try if we can. We think we can make it a, a good episode. Yeah, yeah and do it justice yeah. because it is a pastoral podcast. We're, right, right. We're we're trying to build up the body. We're not here to just chat, talk about current events. We're right, tr- right. We are trying to find that niche where everyone can talk about stuff, but uh, there's just a lot of weak teaching yeah, and we're trying to push against that. Yeah, good. Cool. So we record our episodes what? A week in advance? Two weeks in advance? Uh, They're starting to pile up, so something like that. So we came out with one called a sanctified rant. Which was basically me. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm not saying this was anything. the thing you did in the early hours of the morning. Um but that that was done before some more information came yeah, out we, on yeah. Joshua we, we Harris. We recorded it, and then the very next day, 
it comes out that Joshua Harris not only was separating, but he was divorcing his wife yeah. and renouncing he was renouncing yeah. the Christian faith. And pro-LGBTQIA+. And all those kinds of other stupid things. Yeah. So he comes out that he's now divorced, divorcing. Um, and so people are grieving over this. Some people are laughing over this. Some people are confused by this. Yeah. Um, for many, as we read comments on various social media platforms and Facebook, uh, there's revealed this, this marked lack of understanding about the nature of salvation and what it is or what's called perseverance of the saints. Which right. we will actually do at least one podcast on that whole doctrine of the perseverance should, of the saints. Because yes. I got raised up in the world of what what's called once saved, always saved. Right, right. And that's not the it's perseverance not the of the saints. Right. And, it's, and, and so we have, again, our churches are giving a really cheap version mm-hmm. of sound doctrine. And and so it lulls people who are have no right to be calling themselves a Christian. They're saying, well, once saved, always saved. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but... That presumes you're saved. Uh, in the yeah. first place, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is why we're going to do this podcast. Right. So so in light of a lot of stuff that we're reading, you know, some we've seen some say, well, he was just never saved, which is technically correct. Yeah. Um, if, if he apostatizes, then the, biblically he was never truly saved. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, but a statement like that misses the point. Right. Right. Um, others will say, well, I'll, do, I'll just pray for him that he repents from his apostasy. Again, yet, that, that sounds good, but that lacks an understanding of the nature of apostasy. Yeah. yeah. In fact, when, when we taught on apostasy, because we had a member mm-hmm. apostatize, and um, it really rocked our church. Yeah. And so I realized, you know, I'm going to teach on this. And yeah. we, we went through it. And one of the questions was, well, shouldn't we be praying for him? And I said, if you want to pray for him, you can, but I'm not. And and it shocked a lot of yeah. people. I said, the Bible doesn't tell us to re- pray for their repentance because the Bible actually says that when you apostatize, there is no yeah. room. Coming back. There's right. no coming back. It, you're done. Right. And this gets into why we need to do the perseverance of the saints because mm-hmm. people just don't get it and they don't understand how serious this is. And I warn people all the time that because when they start getting into sin, they start to say, well, maybe I'm just not a Christian. And I'm like, you know, you don't want to be too quick to be yeah. talking about apostatizing. Um, this is a serious, serious issue and you need to take it. But it also goes into the core of you You need to be teaching your your people clearly what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And when he says, you know, if if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, yeah. there's no place for you. Yeah. You know, he Christ was brutal. Yeah. So and then others will say that, you know, what Joshua Harris has done is is merely a rejection of a type of Christianity. Um, but that ultimately in some way he's going to be fine. Um, which says of course that the Christian faith is is vague and doesn't really mean much. Right. Subjective. It's just his Form of Christianity no longer is right, and he doesn't know where it fits, and so he's just going to take it yeah, out he's, of the he's, he's okay. He's searching, he's figuring things out. But again, the Bible will not tolerate that. Right. So, so in light of that, this got us thinking on the topic of how can you know that you have eternal life, right? Um, how, how can you have assurance, in other words, that your faith is indeed genuine and true, and ultimately, we're going to pull this from the Second Corinthians 13 passage. But, but actually, actually, we're going to take it out of the First John passage, but we're going to illustrate with the First Corinthians passage. True. Or Second Corinthians. True. 
Um, thanks for fact checking. Sorry about that. Well, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Paul says in Second Corinthians, though, te- test yourself to see if you're in the faith. And so it's this examination. Um, he says, examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Paul, Paul, that's such a powerful one because it's at the end of his second letter and he is he is sincerely con- concerned yeah. for the well-being of the church in Corinth. And so he's like, look, you you need to just test yourselves and, and you're fine unless, of course, you fail. Um, but it is right and good and proper for a uh, Christian to yeah. pause at times and just take spiritual inventory. And that's what we're going to try to help them do. Yeah. Um, so, so he calls them to examine themselves, and it's, it gets hard, right? Mm-hmm. This is where it can get hard. Um, you know, we don't like to spend time thinking and examining our lives and ourselves. Um, rather, I, I think this is, I mean, we just discovered this to be true in pastoral ministry, but most would just rather placate and assure themselves that everything's okay. Yep. Um, and their friends do it too. Yeah. Just affirms them. Yeah. 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 Friends. Cool yeah. You're okay. No, no. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Remember, just remember the gospel. And- or an example I had was, a, I think I even said it maybe in another podcast. I can't remember, but uh, had a guy call me because his accountability partner to hold him yeah. to purity, then tells him, oh, hey, I got, I've been dating this girl who's not a Christian and she's, I got her pregnant. And he's like, so I don't know how to counsel him. And he says, I already told him, look, there's no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. And I'm like, how do you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you know a man who is literally church. telling you, I'm going to hold you accountable to sexual purity while I'm out dating a non-believer and having sex with her and getting her pregnant? You have sincere reason to question whether or not he's in Christ, but he was already telling him what you just said. He is already placating him, telling him, no, no, whatever it is, it's okay because there's no condemnation. I'm like, you better make sure about that because in that same passage that there's no condemnation uh, if you're in Christ Jesus. Paul later on in that same chapter says that if we suffer with him, then we will also enjoy glory with him or we'll be glorified with him. But if we're not willing to suffer with him, I don't care what you think you are. um, You're not in Christ. Yeah. It's it's powerful stuff. So it is. And that that illustration you give, that's just an example of the fact that there really has been a breakdown in sound teaching and a loss of, of a full gospel preaching. Right. Right. So, so people understand the basic bare elements or facts of the gospel, but where they fall short is then what the gospel demands or what the gospel ought to produce in a person. Um, And again, that's just because of the breakdown of sound teaching. So, so we think that because we assent to gospel facts at times, um, and that we like hearing that God's grace is greater than our sin, then that everything is somehow okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in Romans five, right, where Paul is celebrating the glory of the power of God's grace, he doesn't put a period on it and close out his writing. He immediately then um, takes us to these lies that we tell ourselves in chapter six. You know, um, so shall we keep on right. sinning? It's like his grace abounds. If you've died with Christ, then you've died to sin, and so the whole idea is then, therefore, this should not be. You should not be trying to out-sin God's grace and enjoy that and say, it's under the grace, it's under grace. I grew up, again, in a Christian faith that said, they would always tell you, look, it's under the blood, it's under the blood. And 
it covered all kinds of folly and sin um, that should cause a person to seriously question whether they're, they've ever been truly converted. Um, but because we cheapen it, and we only talk about the fact that God's grace abounds over our sin, yeah. that we don't go into chapter 6 where he then says, however, knowing how you guys think, you're going to say, oh, then we should gr- sin all the more so that God's grace will abound. And he's like, who may genita? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. By no means. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, in this Second uh, Corinthians 13 passage, uh, Paul says, test yourself to see if you are in the faith and examine yourselves. Um, what's important to understand about that is that Paul, Paul there isn't asking the people if they believe or if they have a personal faith when he says, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Uh, rather, the faith there, as we've talked about in other episodes, is actually a technical term that's very misunderstood today. Um, and so, when he says to test yourself to see if you're in their faith, he, he's first asking if they have a sound doctrine, right? Because the faith is that, that body of truth, that body of knowledge that's been once for all given to the saints, as Jude would say. And then second, and this is the critical part, but they are, are they abiding in that sound doctrine right. with their lives? And that's the point. Um, it, it, the Bible just doesn't care much about your private faith, what you say you believe or how you believe or how you feel. Because usually what we think about when we're talking about our faith, it's like, I just really feel close to God. And it's like, your lifestyle says you're not close to God. So I don't care how you feel. The question is, are you in in an abiding state with the faith, which is that body of doctrine and truth? Does your your life and soul and delight conform to it? Simple Mm -hmm. as that. Yeah. And we, we see this all over, right? So John has similar concerns, um, even in the gospels, the epistles, all the writer of the epistles share this concern. I don't think there's a single book in the New Testament that does not at some point throw in the if. Yeah. You know, the if you have yeah. tasted of the kindness of the Lord, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. this, if this is true. Um, yeah, there is that question, a sincere question of are you, is this true of you? Because if it's not, um, yeah, every I, I would tell people just as they're reading their New Testament, just pay attention. You're going to always come to that if statement in some way. Yeah, yeah. And one of the greatest writers who likes these if statements is John. Yeah, right. Especially in his first epistle. So we we have eleven questions um, that we can ask ourselves to help us see or understand or examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Um, and so, well, read First John five. First John 5, 13. Oh yeah. The, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's you saying, you, you say you believe in the name of the son of God. So now I'm giving you these things that I just wrote so that you what? Might know. Yeah. Yeah. They might have confidence. Yeah. So we have from first John 11 tests. Um, and we're just going to walk through those. Yep. Some of these repeat, um, they have overlap, right? Yeah, um, which drives home how serious it is in his mind about these things. Yeah. But, so, test number one. Okay, first, so the very first test that you would ask is in First John 5, uh, 1, 5 through 6. Lainey, do you want to read that one? This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So the apostle of love is blunt, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So the very first test is, is uh, do you have a lifestyle living under 
ungodly worldviews? Are you walking in darkness there? It's not just sin, but it's literally that you are abiding in in the in the ungodly worldview, world system, the, the system that's under the power of Satan and sin. This is why we get into stupid things, people think, like Game of Thrones. Yeah. And why are you watching things of just blatant sexual immorality right. and calling that good, right, or, hey, I can I, I can deal with it. It's like it's you're missing the so, point. Yeah. The point is it belongs to this world in the fullest sense. This is what the wrath of God is coming upon. And you're walking in that, then you're lying to yourself. You are if if you're going to sit there and cling desperately to, it's okay. John would say, no, you're walking in the darkness and you're lying to yourself. And you don't practice truth. Yeah. So right off the top, he says, what's the worldview you live and order your life by? Yeah, and notice he says, if we say. So this yeah. is Same. just what a person is professing, and yet he just doesn't care about that. I mean, I mean, you can almost hear the sarcasm. If we yeah. say we have fellowship with him. <laughs> But we walk in darkness. So he's interested. Yeah, exactly. He's interested in what do you do? Um, and so you have the parallel. If we say, then he says, well, then you lie. Um, but if we walk in darkness, the parallel is we do not practice this truth. Yeah, yeah. So truth is something to be practiced and done. And you get the sense that John has heard it all. Yeah. You know, he's he's like more and more people are coming <laughs> in and saying, no, 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 I'm in, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And I look in the, the church at in America, and I just say, you know, we need to preach this because we have churches filled with men and women who think they're going to heaven. Their pastors telling them they're cool, everything's fine, and yet they walk in darkness and um, they don't even know it because nobody will actually preach a biblical worldview or now the scripture or the faith. Well, the church is so desperately trying to look like the world outside too. Oh my goodness, yeah. Mm -hmm. So second test. Yeah, Mark, you want to read this? Yeah. First John 2, 8 through 10. Yep, I got that. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Yeah, so this one, it's pretty clear that it's, it's a heart of bitterness toward the brethren. And this is something, this is just a drum that he just beats all throughout this book. Yeah. Um, that, that love for God is seen always in love for the brethren. And he talks also in absolutes. Um, it, there's love and hate. There's just no neutrality in John's yeah. writing. Um, and so he, the key one here is the one who says, again, there, here's a person who's talking, that he is in the light and yet hates his brother, which is John's way of saying, you just, you, you don't have love for the brethren. He is in darkness. And then I like this until now, Yeah, <laughs> I've made it known to you. So yeah. change your ways, repent. It, it, so simple. Yeah. How do you know if you have eternal life? I hate, I, I have no interest in other believers. I don't want to hang around them. I'd much rather hang around with non-Christian. There's a, something wrong with you. Yeah. There's something broken in you. Yeah. Um, test number three would be a life of consistent disobedience. So that's in chapter two, verses three through six. Elena, do you want to do that one? Sure. By this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, the one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. I mean, the whole verse or passage is just powerful. But again, 
we, how do we know that we have come to know him? He says, if we keep his commandments. It's not that hard. Um, a life marked out by consistent, willful disobedience is not a life that's been yet converted. Um, you might be thinking about it, You might be hearing it. You might be intrigued by it. You might even be liking some of the overflow of it. I mean, it's nice to be around Christians because they tend to be nicer. True Christians tend to be nicer, kinder people. Um, their lives are not Welcoming. all— Pardon? Welcoming people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's their lives are just not broken mm-hmm. up uh, in in the same way, and and there's this overflow of blessing. But if you yourself are in a life of consistent disobedience to the commandments of the Lord, then there is no reason, again, for you to believe that you're okay. He says the truth is not in you. So it's another way of saying you're lying to yourself, and you can say it all day long, but your life says the exact opposite. Of course, Jesus said it too. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yeah. Uh, test number four, First uh, John 2, 9 through 11. Mark, if you want to read that, this one is a rejection of the brethren. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Yeah, again, so just two polar extreme here. What's the evidence of one who's abiding consistently present tense in the light? Well, the one who loves the brethren and the one who's abiding in darkness or walking in darkness is one who hates his brother. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a passage actually I was teaching last night at Vision and Values oh, really? with just... Um, you know, for us, what does membership mean? Well, mm-hmm. it means not to hold the church at arm's length. Yeah. Um, the, the, the biblical authors have no concept or category in their mind for a true Christian who refuses to be part of a local church in which you're actively working out this love for the brethren right, right. And, and showing them the love that, that Christ has shown you. And so, in, in functionally, to not be part of a local church or involved with a local body is a rejection of the brethren and I think should cause serious concern for yourself as to whether or not you're truly in Christ. Well, we even have that in our membership covenant that unless providentially hindered, yeah. very you important will be terms. present right. with the brethren on, on when we gather for worship. Um, and that the key thing is providentially hindered. You're sick, you're on your way, your car breaks down, things like this happen. But when you wake up and you feel a little tired or you chose to stay up until three in the morning on Saturday watching right. Netflix yeah. because Stranger Things Part 3 is on or whatever stupid thing's taking place, that is not being providentially hindered. That's just being a fool. And when you're making those kinds of consistent yeah. decisions— um, you should fear, and the church should be dealing with you. So we, we've got people like that we know of who watch us our, our sermons live. via live stream, yeah. and it drives us crazy. It's like you don't have the you have no will. You're not willing to wake up and journey just a few miles or blocks even to come and gather together to worship, because for you it's all about just watching a sermon. Somehow I heard a sermon, so I've. I've done my thing. It's like, yeah, but you have no love for the brethren. There's no way you can say it. And I think it would be worth people's time to really think about what does it mean to hate his brother. Maybe we can do a specific yeah. podcast on on really irritating people. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, then the next one is test five. Uh, a simple question. Are you a lover of the world? So this is a, a well-known passage. Uh, Mark, you want to go for that one? Yeah. 
First uh, John two fifteen through seventeen. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So he gets into right at the end, doing the will of the of God, is would be the same thing as keeping his commandments, yeah. a, a life in. Um, comporting itself faithfully to the will of God. And so he says the opposite of that is loving the world. And again, people say, well, what's that mean? Um, anything that belongs to this fallen realm. Um, and again, you want to know, go to first, uh, Colossians 3 and just read what Paul says. And he describes, yeah. these are the things for which the wrath of God is coming. Right. If you don't believe me on that one, go to 1 Corinthians 6. He says, don't be deceived, for the one who does these things shall not inherit the, the kingdom, kingdom of, God. of God. If you still don't believe me, go on over to James chapter 4, where he rips into them and says, you adulteresses. Yeah. Um, you know, friendship with, with the world is enmity, enmity. with God. There is no, there's no salvation there. If you still don't believe me, go to Romans 1 and look at the things that he says, I've given these people over these sins because they have rejected me as their their God and creator. I mean, the Bible is replete with examples of what it looks like for this world. You don't have to say, well, I don't know. It's, it's is this life conforming itself yeah. to, to the way of God or to the world system? I mean, in other words, do your non-Christian friends at some point become annoyed with you not because you're a cage Calvinist, yeah. <laughs> but because you are genuinely a godly man or woman. And that there's just things you don't do anymore. You can't. You won't, you won't watch those things. You won't say these things. You won't, comp- uh, again, act in this manner anymore. These things are starting to go away. And it's one of the things we watch over and over again when we see people come to faith is the ache they have because people they love or had good relationships you know, give them time and they just start to break off because yeah. you don't have a fellowship with darkness. Yeah. So, yeah. are you a lover of the world? Then you're not in Christ. Yeah. Um, test number six, a turning from the fullness of the Godhead. Mark, do you want to do First John 2, 21 through 25? Yeah, sure thing. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son and does not have the Father, the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself made to us eternal life. This is one of those passages why I, I love John. Um, I, feel, I just feel like he, he writes truly as a pastor though, too. Uh, he says, I've not written to you because you do not know, but because you do know. Yeah. And so he's just, as a faithful pastor should do and ought to do, just keep reminding the people of what they already know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and he says, uh, you know, as for you, let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. So I'm not telling you anything new, anything that you don't know, it's a simple reminder. But, but the content of it is understanding the nature of the person of God, which is why ultimately we like to do things like the Trinity in our episodes. Um, notice he says, who is a liar, but the one who denies Jesus is the Christ. He, he's dealing with a very specific issue here that we won't get into, but Jesus is the Christ. And then he also says, whoever denies the son does not have the father. So it's understanding the father and the son as well. Yeah, you don't get to 
come up with your concept of who God is and say, yeah. I believe that. You must believe in Jesus rightly. Right. Yeah. And, and, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. Um, so, again, this gets into our constant complaint that in the church today, from the pulpit, is such a bad set way of teaching about the Word that people are not being confronted with that. They're not, they don't even know enough to know if they're an unbeliever. Um, and that's a shame. Um, I mean, you, you already said, he, he says, I've already taught you this. Mm-hmm. You know these things. And so I'm reminding you of them. Um, they've got to know it. And then test number seven is, is there a lifestyle of sin versus righteousness? Uh, Lena? No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So, and he throws in right at the end, and if you don't love your brother. Um, but <laughs> that's in First that John enough. 3, 9 and 10. He's like, it's, it's the idea of a practice. We won't get into the the whole construct of it, but it's, it's, if you're born of God, you're not in a lifestyle of practicing sin. He's, he, it's not what you do anymore. Um, it's not that you don't sin because he's already made that clear at the very beginning that if you sin, we have an advocate, but we ought not to be sinning. And one of the marks of a Christian is this growth in holiness and a, and, and a practice of putting off sin and rejecting it. So the Christian is always battling against it because, and the, and the reason is because he is born of God. In fact, we just did a podcast where we talked about John Owen. He says that the unbelievers never tempted by sin. He yeah. says only the Christian is because the Christian is the only one that has the spirit in him, right? Yeah. And and he's right uh, because he's been born of God. So he's not going to be one that's just given over to a lifestyle of sin. So the question again is, what does your life look like? What is it marked by? And don't lie to yourself and say what you put on in a public setting because it, it, the reality is, what's your marriage like? What's yeah. your parenting like? What's your spending like? What's your private thought life? Yeah. Um, what is it a life that's pursuing and growing in righteousness, or is it just wandering around from one sin to another and then lying to yourself about everything's okay because I'm in Christ somehow? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, test number eight, a lack of care or palpable care and concern for other believers. First John three fourteen through 19. Mark, if you want to read that. Yep. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him... How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and we, and will assure our heart before him. Yeah, so, so John is writing. I mean, one of the main reasons he's writing is to give these people confidence or assurance of salvation. I write to you so that you may know that you have life. And so the constant word that he keeps repeating in this passage at um, at least is no. He says, we know that we have passed from death into life. How? Because we love the brethren. And so in John's mind, 
you ought not to have assurance of salvation if you're mm. not in the active, consistent yeah. state of loving the brethren. Yeah. Um, but you can, on the other hand, have assurance and know that you've passed from death into life. How? Because you're loving the brethren. Um, and then he goes on to say, and why is that the case? Well, because everyone who hates his brother, in other words, not loving them, is a murderer. So now he brings it to the heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. amps that up just as, as Jesus would do. But then he gives in very practical ways, what does love then look like? Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and then closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Yeah. And so love produces something, produces something tangible. Um, and so for him, it's not sufficient to just profess something with word or tongue, but as he says, it has to be done indeed. Um, and then you will assure your heart before him. You have that confidence or assurance. And again, here then you're seeing also a connection with uh, your finances, your wealth, yeah. your, you know, the, this idea that when you are claiming Christ and you see a brother or sister in Christ who have has a genuine need, not their phone broke, so they need a new smartphone, but a genuine need. And you're like, you know what? Um, I, I, I'm just not going to do it. Then don't say you love them. Right. I mean, and it, it's not, again, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this again over and over again. What does, does your giving reflect a heart of generosity and a care for the needs of others? Um, and, and people will push back and say, well, yeah, but what if the giving is just being spent on other things? We can get into that on another podcast again, but don't let that kind of rationale close your heart to the needs of your brother. And then I can even take another step and say, look at Joshua Harris. The man is not just saying, hey, the Christianity is I understood it. I no longer hold to that anymore. He is literally withdrawing from the church, which Mm -hmm, is the mm -hmm. essence of hating your brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and the focus is on the brother, on the brethren. It's not... You know, if you social have, justice, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have all these ample goods, let's just help the world. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's not like that would be an evil thing, but the focus here is on the brethren. And Jesus says, "This is how they'll know that you are mine by your love for one another." Right. Yeah. And so it's always the focus on the local church. So you can give all your money away to whatever you want, but if if you're not in the first instance doing it out of a heart to serve the brothers and sisters in Christ then John would just ask, how does the love of God abide in you? Right. So that was what? That was a lack of care and concern for the believers. Then test nine is a rejection of apostolic teaching. That's First John 4, 5 through 6. Lena? They are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So he's he's actually appealing, look, I'm an apostle, I am from God, and and when I'm writing or I'm speaking as an apostle, I'm speaking from God. And you will listen to me if you are if you belong to God. It's yeah. not hard. Um, versus the others who are of the world. And so shock of all shocks, everyone loves TED Talks. Why oh, do yeah. they love TED Talks? Well, totally. because they belong to the world. And we think you know, we need to conform ourselves in some way. We need to bring in all this worldly yeah, yeah. idea. And it's like you're missing the point. If they're born of God, they're going to want to hear the words of God. And so preaching and trying to say, well, we need to re- get less preaching, less time, less mm-hmm. doctrine, less truth. Um, and somehow that will help everyone. It doesn't help them. I've never met a genuine believer who does not want to know more the Word of God. And so, anytime you see people starting to reject the apostolic teaching, like we, we heard a guy talking about complementarianism, and 
he said, you're, you're, you heard it. Um, he said something along the lines of, look, this is what Paul taught about the role of women in teaching. Oh, yeah. Right? And then he said something along the lines of, I don't, say, well, he just, he's like, and I don't, I don't really agree with Paul here on this. Yeah, I think he got it wrong. Yeah, he's like, you <sighs> know, we've made a lot, of, a lot of progress in terms of, you know, issues with women and those kinds of things. So I, I think I think he's got it wrong here. I don't agree quite with him. So so at that <laughs> he's point he's a peer or something. See, I actually become afraid for him and more so I become afraid for the people under his teaching. Yeah. It's like when you're now looking at pastor. it's yeah, it's not hard to see what the text says. You just don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um and John would say, uh Paul's an apostle yeah. <laughs> um and and you should listen to him. And you're like, yeah, I think you got it wrong. There's actually, John would be saying, are you even in the faith? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's brutal. I mean, listen, think about the number of forums we belong to on Facebook mm-hmm. where mo- more nonsense and folly is spewed out where they just don't like what the word says. So they're, well, I don't think that's what it means. It's like, yeah. come on, guys. It's not Cultural, you know. Yep. Yeah. And, and the social justice is another one of those things that's becoming... A hot button. Well, we got to do one, or at least probably several podcasts on that one. Yeah, sooner than later. Um, test number ten. This is similar to one we've already said, so it won't require a lot of comment. But just listen as Mark reads. It's a lack of abiding and a love for God and a love for the brethren. So again, the point though is that a love for God is one and the same with a love for the brethren. All right, it's coming from First John four eleven through seventeen. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of, holy, of, his, holy, of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Again, I mean, he's just saying, um, or writing so that you might know or have confidence that you're truly in Christ or have salvation. He says that, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. And what's the mark of that? Well, one who's in this consistent state, always of loving the brethren, you're, you're working out the reality of what God is. God is love. Um, and so if you're one who is loving these people as God has loved these people, you, you ought to have great confidence that you're in the faith. And then first John four twenty through 21, similar. All right. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. <laughs> yeah, getting brutal. For the, for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. In this commandment, we have heard from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Yeah, again, what does it mean to love the head? Well, it's to love the body. Mm-hmm. And so loving, <laughs> again, he's just so sarcastic. If someone says, I love God <laughs> and hates his brother, he's a liar. Um, no two ways about it. And then the final test is uh, a rejection of a true Christology that involves his lordship. So, Lena, read that one. First John 5, 1 through 15. Can't be. No. It's got to be 1 through 5. Okay. <laughs> Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
And whoever loves the father loves the the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, there's this one's so tight. I mean, he's talking about if we love the children of God, it's because we love God. And how do we know we love God? We observe his commandments. But it, the point that I want to make in it is we have to believe that Jesus truly is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that's born of God. Um, and he's going to therefore also love all of his children every other Christian. Um, and and all of this is the idea that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have to have a right understanding of the person of Christ. And so, it, it goes back to the sim- simple aspect of who is Jesus Christ, what is he accomplishing, and in relationship to the Father. So, it gets into the Trinity. It gets into so much doctrine. But you have to understand that he is, in fact, the Lord. That he that he's not just a good guy or he's a savior, but he is he is my Lord, and therefore there's commandments, and he expects yeah. you to obey, mm-hmm. and and he calls you obey, and then also it's interesting. He says, and his commandments are not burdensome, so you're not whining because you got to do these things. Yeah. It's it's a desire to know the will of your Father. It's a desire to know God and then conform yourself to Him. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what it's like now as a pastor of there's those people that just you feel like you're dragging them every step of the way. So they're doing it, but they're begrudging about it rather than I don't know what to do. You know, it's interesting in, in the Gospels, whenever Jesus is asked a question to trip him up, he just rips a guy to shred. But a genuine question is always ans- answered by him. Um, and, and that's... You know, there's people who just don't know what to do, and they want to know. Teach them. Don't 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 be afraid to. And if they don't want to do it, then you should actually be more concerned with the fact that that you're probably dealing with a non-Christian if that is the mark of their life. Yeah. So those are the eleven tests. Tests. Yeah. Uh, so just to kind of wrap this up, um, there there in John's writing, there is a strong connection of right theology with right relationship between both God and man. Um, in other words, your, your profession and your practice. Uh, we, we tend to separate these with great ease, especially in a consumeristic culture, uh, but the Bible never does. It's the difference between separation versus a distinction, that there's not a true separation between a love for God and a love for the brethren um, or those kinds of things, but there, there, there's a distinction there. Um, but when we ask the question of whether or not we're abiding in the faith, this we think is a good place to begin. Are you daily walking in accordance to revealed truth? And are you persevering in that revealed truth? It, it is not enough to simply profess, but does your profession inform an abiding practice? And what I would suspect to tie this all the way back to Josh Harris, because that's what drove all of this, is that if you were to go backwards and begin to look and examine there was a breakdown somewhere where what he was saying from the pulpit and what he was saying in his books and everything else that was not being evidenced in his life. Yeah. And, um, and that's, and you see it, you see it because his marriage is now fall, falling apart and, and he's still saying all the right words, you know, we love each other, yeah. but we're not going to be married. Doesn't and we want to, we want to love our amazing kids, yeah. but not, 
in the biblical man. There's something, right. there's this breakdown of what we claim and what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now to take it back to the listener, this applies to you as well. The, the Christian life is not a joke and it's not a quick little moment, a point in time where you just say, I've, I've trusted in Jesus and so, so now everything's cool. Yeah. Um, it is a life then that he says, daily, you're going to take up your cross, you're going to follow me. Um, or the Great Commission that we're not just baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, but we are teaching them to obey, not some, most, or the ones we like, but all that has been commanded. It's it's that reality. So yeah. we would invite the listener, just spend this week thinking about, do I pass these tests? Mm-hmm. Is this the, the, the direction of my life, the trajectory? You're not going to see perfection. That's why you have the advocate. But is this the direction, the desire, and am I learning how to put it away? And is my church helping me? Is my mm-hmm. pastor, is my the leadership guiding me in these things? And if they're not, and you're trying to do this all by yourself, then you need to go find a sound church that, that will come alongside you and aid you in what it looks like to pursue Christ. <music>